Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a special episode with Ian Robinson. Welcome to Is Told by Nomads. I'm your host, Ty Roxon, and I'm a blogger, digital marketer, and multicultural individual who's lived on four different continents. Listen weekly as I profile people who identify with several cultures and share with you stories, tips, and interviews about how to embrace your global identity and use it to your advantage to live your best life. Let us begin. Ian reached out to me and, you know, I thought it was great because he, he wanted to specifically talk to the TCK audience. He's in on TCK, but he's had a background where he's traveled all around and he's married, uh, you know, to a foreigner, someone that's a different, um, someone that has a different background from him. And I thought it was interesting because part of the reason I started this podcast was basically to educate everyone in the world about the different, you know, um, things that the world has to offer. And I thought... What Ian had to say in this podcast was amazing in the sense that you could see just a unique lens that people can use their difference to make a difference. You know, he has he has a unique path that he's followed and it's you know, it's worked out well for him. And, he, you know, he dives into some of the the interesting journeys that being married to someone of a different culture, um, you know, comes with. So I think this is going to be a really interesting episode and I can't wait for you guys to share your thoughts. Check it out. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me Ian Robinson. He's a fascinating guy. You know, he reached out to me and he wanted to share a little bit something to the TCK audience because he resonates with a lot of the things that TCKs go through. So he's the founder and creator of Freedom Podcasting, and he does a lot of cool production techniques and production stuff with podcasting and the media in general. So I'm happy to have him on the show. Welcome, Ian. Yeah, Teo. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on your show. You know, the first time I heard about the term TCK was was through you because I I was on the iTunes platform and I was listening to you know the new and noteworthy section and you you were up there at the time and uh, I never even heard of TCK before, but I heard it then and uh, I listened to a bunch of the shows. Have you even connected with some of your guests because it's been really it's been a really interesting show for me to hear. Yeah. Wow. You connected you know, with guests? I didn't even know that. That's good. I love you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, the cool thing about podcasting, I think, is like taking action on the things that you hear. Right. 
Right. So that's that's like one of the most important things is you can listen to podcasts all day, but as long as you don't do something about it, like you have this issue. But you know, the thing with the TCK, the, the so it's basically a third culture kid, right? So it's right. like people who resonate with different cultures. And oh man, I started feeling it so much. I'm, I'm very American, you know, I was raised in the same town as like my dad and stuff. But at the same time, I really started traveling. And for the last five years, I've been kind of on the road and uh, I really resonate with the uh, with a lot of the kind of things that you talk about, and uh, and I guess I imagine some of the resonation that you have is uh, does that have to do with your marriage or yeah, wifey, yeah. <laughs> we, we can blame it on wifey a bit it's funny we were actually in the dmv today and we were trying to get her uh, a u.s driver's license she's got a green card that took us about two years right uh so three years ago we got her a green card or we started working on getting her a green card two years ago we had it and now a year later we finally go to the dmv and we find out that she has to go through everything that even like a 15 year old who's trying to get their introductory driver's license thing right oh. so she's been licensed and driving across australia which is like a harder place to drive than the united states you know for her whole life <laughs> But she's now she's got to go back and do like the driver test where they, like she like shows that she knows how to use her blinker and stuff. So it's just little things like this that really like it, like I said, it just sort of it makes life a bit more challenging. Gotcha. Or, or, well, then can you walk me to the, walk me back to the story when you met your wife and sort of the journey to where you are now? Yeah, I'd love to tell you the story because I, I don't think I, you might not have heard it. But so basically I was living in um, the United States. I graduated from college and I decided to go traveling instead of getting a regular job. Right. So I went to New Zealand. First off, I traveled around the U.S. as like a tour guide. So I take people on these tour guiding trips. And then I saved up a bunch of money and flew to New Zealand. I was on, on a working holiday visa in Australia. So I spent a month in New Zealand and then I flew across the uh, Tasman to Australia and then I spent a year there so I kind of worked up like as a fruit picker and I surfed a lot I learned how to surf there I saved enough money to go to South Africa for the World Cup I came back and then my friend and I worked on this 500,000 acre cattle station out in the middle of the outback which was a complete crazy adventure in itself <laughs> All of them were really great. After we got out of the cattle station, we drove across the uh, the desert to Cairns, which is in like northern Queensland, and that's like where they have the uh, the Great Barrier Reef. And we uh, got a job working on a boat there. And sort of like goddaughter of the guy that we were working for, we kind of fell in love. And then we drove down the east coast of Australia together. I, it took me like a week to get her to want to go on a road trip with me, but we had these like really amazing times up there in the Great Barrier Reef. And then um, we moved to Hawaii. We went to like Bali for a month and then we moved to Hawaii and uh, we got married in Hawaii and then she went to visit some of her friends in Australia um, and then try, was expecting to be able to come straight back in the US, but the gates were just closed because she was married to an American, which so it actually made it worse that we were married, right? Right. So we ended up having to go through the spouse process to get her legally into the country. And that took about two years. And so that took I, two years. That took two years. Yeah. And it, that was that was like the quick version because she's like Australian, you know, she was like Filipino or I think any sort of Central American. I think it would have been a harder process. So like the two years is the fast way, which wow. is, you know, it's really a, something that I think that our nation needs to fix, you know. So. Yeah, we were in Hawaii. When I was in Hawaii, I was working on this biofuel startup and like we were, you know, using like waste vegetable oil to turn it into fuel. And the economy works really good in Hawaii because it's so far away. And so I was there. We had a bunch of like capital intensive stuff tied up in this project. And then all of a sudden I kind of had to make the decision between, you know, sticking with that business and just kind of living away from my wife for like the two years that it was going to take or just kind of like dropping it all and moving to like wherever we could be together. And so that's what we did. You know, it took it was a hard decision, but at the same time, it wasn't that hard because 
I'm kind of like a rebel. Oh, I, <laughs> if, I somebody, <laughs> if somebody says that they that I have to do all this legal stuff and wait for two years to see my wife, I'm pretty much like, okay, this isn't the place for me. So I ended up leaving all that stuff, all that really great stuff behind. And I realized that I wanted to have a business that I could run from anywhere. You know, it was uh, really hard at the time, but now I, that we, I kind of have that thing. It's a really huge blessing. So it's really great. So you eventually just became a digital nomad, essentially. So maybe talk a, a bit about what love affair travel is for you. Yeah, love affair travel is kind of like the idea. Like the love affair is like when people think of love affairs. Like I think of like love affair with a travel with traveling. It's kind of like it's kind of like you're breaking the rules. Uh-huh. And you're doing something you're really passionate about, despite the fact that, you know, it's like frowned upon. So with like that, that was it, how it was for me, you know, like what I probably should have done with like the way society worked was maybe get a job after college or do this right. other thing. But I mean, the you know, the thing that I talk about in the show all the time is, you know, people who live lives of long term travel. And I try to talk about the awe moments where people are just blown away with. Talk about one awe moment. Because I'm, I'm curious. Because uh, this, I think, this is the first time I've heard of you know love affair travel, and I'm so fascinated with, uh, <laughs> with the term. And I'm, I'm you know, I kind of want to hear more about the process and the different moments and stages. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, one moment would be like, so when we were when we were living on the North Shore of Oahu, uh, which is a really great surf spot, right? And so I used to wake up at like 5:30 and go surf for like two hours before I would start work. And uh, it was right on the North Shore, right where like a lot of the big pros and stuff were. At. And I spent the day, or I spent the morning, just surfing really beautiful. You know those surfers. I think it's so hard to describe surfing to people, but like. <laughs> You know, the water's just curling over you. It's super big, super strong, super fast. Yeah. There's a lot of beautiful wildlife out there. The sun's rising. It's just gorgeous. It's extremely, like, athletically challenging. And it's just really beautiful. And then I just got out, and I'm, like, slowly walking up the path, like, getting ready to go back to work. And I throw, like, my surfboard in, in my truck, and I see, like, Jack Johnson just cruising by on a little creaky, rusty old bike. And it's just, like, a picturesque moment. I was just like, oh, my God. But I was so tired at the same time. And I just felt so cool yeah. that it was just like I didn't even like it was just like oh there's Jack Johnson you know and that was just another odd moment you know yeah. there's a lot of those and Jack Johnson if I, I'm gonna I feel like I'm gonna box this is that he's from the White Stripes or Jack Johnson's like uh, that's Jack Johnson no ah. that's Jack White Jack, Jack Johnson's White. like yeah I knew it was Jack so <laughs> Jack Johnson's like the uh, the picturesque like cool surfer dude from Hawaii who like uh. travels the world and plays songs for people he's got that like I'll make you banana pancakes and sand like this oh. and Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, so you saw him and then you were like, uh, yeah. Just it's just an odd moment, yeah. And there's just so many of them, you know, like, I don't know. You travel a lot, so I'm sure you've got some. I'm glad you shared that because one of the things that I'm finding is I started this podcast and you were right. Podcasts are such a great way to meet many people. I can't even tell you. Uh, just listening to other people's podcasts, some of the guests that I've had come on the shows, but it's it's the experiences that they have. And yeah. I, really, I really wanted you to share that because I, I feel like... You know, through experiences, a lot of people can connect and they can just resonate with, with how you felt or how you feel at that moment. So I really yeah. appreciate that. I, I believe that you, you did some research on TCKs and you, uh, there were a few, I think there were five points that you resonated with. I know you said the accent changed then because I can imagine um, yeah. living in Australia, 
and you go and I can actually hear some Australian accident you know you know <laughs> yeah. but, but um you should you should hear me when I talk with South African people it's like oh how's it my brew oh we mustn't be making mistakes like I love South African accent and every time I talk to South African people I just pick it up so bad <laughs> well so, you, so you're very good at picking up accents was that something that you did on purpose because you wanted to connect with the people I think so okay. I don't know how purposeful it was I think um now, you know, when you really in, in, in engross yourself in another uh, group of people's culture, you sort of have to do it. Otherwise, yeah. people don't understand you, you know, yeah. and then therefore, yeah, okay, it's, well, it's just awesome. And when we're talking about accents here, what other things do you do? Because when you made that irreverent approach, you took the irreverent approach to not go the normal route and, and you know, get the standard job, the nine to five job right out of school, you know, you the travel guy thing that you went out of the country. When you went out of the country, what were different ways you went about connecting with people? What are different ways you sought to reach out and make yourself among the crowd and understand the culture of the people you were around? You know, every every time I've ever gone anywhere, it's been a sports space, right? Oh uh, my goodness. I said it all the time. And then I'll, yeah. I'll, <laughs> sports continue. Just continue because I'm trying to contain my excitement because I think <laughs> you're the first guest that's actually agreed with me on that. So that's good. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, sports is just such a great way because it's, it's a, you don't have to speak anybody's language to be able to play sports with them, right? So surfing was one, I've already, we've already talked about that one, but you know, I, I lived in the Philippines for three months and I, and I studied jujitsu the whole time. And I have, you know, close Filipino friends and I hope they're listening to this. I love you guys. I miss you. And uh, anywhere you go, you know, um, I, I did it with horse riding in uh when we were in australia riding horses was really big and uh so yeah sports is huge i think that's been a really important way to communicate with people yeah i think it's uh i think it's a great way to bring people of different cultures you couldn't i mean the world cup and olympics those are perfect examples of what goes on. oh yeah everybody just hangs around a bar or they hang around each other or in some community and everybody resonates in the group or not and they just say wow you know this happened this happened you see that and it's all about the moment you celebrate and, and then you obviously went to the World Cup, so I'm sure you saw that as well uh, yeah. when you were inside that. What, have you noticed any, any specific sports that are really good for connecting with people? Oh. For you? For me, I mean, my favorite sports are soccer, basketball, and tennis, but basketball and soccer especially have connected me a lot. Soccer, you know, outside outside America, you know, it's the world's game, right? So you can, yeah. whenever, I, I always talk about my favorite team, so I'm a huge Manchester United fan. Or our premiership, you know, I, I follow that, and then I, I continually talk about that, or I can follow La Liga as well. But it, there's always either an argument, friendly argument about, no, Messi is better than Ronaldo, no, Ronaldo is better than Messi. That, that, that sort of argument happens all the time. And then um, when I was younger and I lived in a different country, uh, the way I made friends was through sports. I, I didn't know anything about basketball when I was 10, and I really wanted to connect to the people I was with, and I was an international, you know, country so I really sought out help from the best basketball player. And, you know, the one-on-ones turned to two-on-twos and then, you know, three-on-threes. And then all of a sudden we started, you know, hanging out off campus or off school. And then we went to youth group and it just grew up from there. But it was a bar yeah. to start for sports. And, you know, intramural sports, that's another way. Because you don't know the people a lot of times, unless it's a league that you start with your friends. You know, you meet several people that... Say hey, you know, I, I noticed your skills over there. Maybe we should do something next uh, next uh, <laughs> next <laughs> yeah. tomorrow game. Uh, you should join my team. I don't know if your team, is, you know, stuff like that. But it's, I think it's just an avenue where people connect. And also, no one cares about your differences there because then you're actually just looking for the skills. And I think it's it's time when people actually forget about oh, you're black, you're white, you're this, you're 
you know, yeah. Like, what can you do to help? Yeah. So that's my yeah. Idea. You know, it was really similar for me with football, uh, you know, soccer. And when I was in studying in Spain, I, my Greek friends and my German friends all got, we got so close around soccer. Yeah. Like there's no way I would have been able to connect with people that, you know, they weren't really great at English. And I was just like, and obviously, I mean, the only language I speak is Spanish. These guys, we were close and we would like help each other learn Spanish because it was the only, it was the best mutual language that we had at the time. So. Yeah. How did you learn Spanish? Well, you know, you learn a little bit when you're growing up in the United States, especially on the West Coast, I think. Yeah. Maybe on the East Coast. I don't know. But uh, on the West Coast, you learn it in, in uh, high school. And then I I went down to Mexico a lot when I was younger. And then we uh, then I went to Costa Rica for like two or three months, uh, I think twice. Okay. And then I, I lived in in Spain for three months. And then I lived in uh, Chile for three months see you're even saying it right you're saying it right yeah, like, yeah you can't say espana because otherwise you just sound like a jerk right <laughs> you gotta say spain when you're speaking english <laughs> no I, I was actually just talking to, to a friend of mine um and she was saying that i you know i know you speak english i think you should pronounce my name the english way it just sounds weird if you say it in the spanish way so, <laughs> yeah. so um yeah no I, I definitely agree with that wow so that, i mean that that's impressive you kept it I try to do the same with my French because, you know, I grew up partly in a French-speaking country, but it, it's sort of tough when you're, you're around English-speaking uh, people for a long time. And then, you know, if you don't keep it up, it sort of, you know, goes away, especially if you don't practice it. So, yeah, that's impressive. You kept it on. And you're, and, and don't forget your English goes away as you get better at other languages, too. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you start saying that. English, Spanish? <laughs> I come back, I talk to my friends and they're like, I'm like, man, I can't forget, I can't remember the word. They're like, what, you mean table? I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, it's not that bad, but you get the idea. Yeah, no, I completely get the idea. So English, speaking of English and languages here, I know for a fact, right, Australia, you know, I know they have a different English there, right? Um, and yeah. And um, there's some, sure, there's some nuances, there's some words that they pronounce differently or there's some words that actually not pronounced the same way. How did how did you and your wife connect, or do you guys joke about it? You know, have fun about how she pronounces something. Does she make fun about how you pronounce something? What's what's oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, it's the story of our life. <laughs> it's just like constant, right? Like I, I always bug her, like, because we spent the first grip of time together in Australia, and so I, I would say things like rubbish, and we're going to go to the bottle-o, and the servo, and, like, here's the thing about Australians, like, Australians have this capacity, and they don't, a lot of them won't tell, won't, won't let on, and some of them don't know how to do it, but there are specific Australians who can speak English in a way where you understand every single word they say, but you have no idea what they're talking about, and they'll say that to other Australians, and they'll get it entirely, so it's really cool. Uh, there's, like, a Bondi beach, like that Bondi rescue, the guy does it, and it's just genius because all Australians get it and not a single American will get it. I still can't even understand it. But um, yeah, we're, we're, we constantly do that. Like a lot of the times I have to clear things up. Like Veronica will communicate with somebody, you know, Veronica's my wife, will communicate with somebody here in the US because that's where we're at right now. And they, they, they won't understand what she's saying and I'll have to like translate, even though it's, you know, minor and, uh, you know, she can authentically be herself and really express herself. It's not a big issue, but yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we overcome it really well. I, I think we both love it too. It's really fun to divulge those differences. That's kind of the cool thing about the difference between Australian English and American English mm -hmm. is that they're so similar that you everybody can laugh about it. Whereas if you're trying, like, if I go to France and I'm trying to speak French, that's just not really fun yet because yeah. I'm, I'm so bad at it. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. And even with the the things that you know, friends make you know speak actual English and you don't actually understand. 
there's a part of English in Nigeria, because English is the official language in Nigeria, but it's just a different accent. A lot of people speak pidgin English, and that's mm. just picture Jamaican with patois and, you know, a Jamaican talking in their slang. So it's basically slang and broken English together. But a lot of times, you know, people do that to each other around other English speaking people just to make fun and just to, just to, <laughs> to let them know, like, hey, you know, I'm talking in English and you don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> but because it's, it's always it's always interesting when the other person because the other person always says, well, wait, are you talking about me or what, what's going on? Why can't I? Yeah. Get, yeah. But I, I think that's I think that's uh, it's very funny that you brought that up. So you grew up in Liberia, is that right? No, I grew up uh, in Nigeria. That's my passport. Oh. So Nigeria, Sweden, Vietnam, Nigeria. Uh, I said Nigeria, USA, and um, I guess yeah, that's it. Man, I can't remember. Okay, so I had Graham Hughes on uh, on my podcast. Do you know who he is? Graham Hughes. No, who's Graham? He, Graham Hughes is this redheaded English dude who just who traveled to every single country in the world without flying. He is amazing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. He was telling me about how he went to like Liberia. I, I, I was really surprised. I asked him, what was the most expensive country you went to? Because he traveled to every country in the world without flying, which is remarkable. Wait, you just like, walk away with you. What did he do? He took a boat? He, yeah, he took, he took buses and boats. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't have any funding or anything. He made a bunch of really cool videos. His thing, his website's really cool. I think he, he's doing some really interesting stuff right now. He holds a world record, I think. That's um, amazing. Yeah, check him out. He'd be a great guy for your show, I think. But um, I was asking him, what's like the most expensive country? And it was really surprising. I don't, can't remember if he said Nigeria or Liberia, but it was one of those two. And... He said that th- that was the most expensive country you ever traveled through. Wow, I mean, Nigeria's expensive, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say it's Liberia, <laughs> just because I've okay. never been there. <laughs> no, but th- that's interesting. Um, a lot of the countries, I think, the most expensive country I've probably been into is probably England. I think London was expensive when I was there, but I, you know, San Francisco. Come think of it, that was actually pretty expensive. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, I find I find Sydney. Sydney and Melbourne to be the most expensive. I, I can't. I've interviewed a couple of Australians of people that have Australian background now, and their, their episodes will come soon. But Australia has always been the other dream country for me uh, because yeah. I'm a huge tennis fan. I always wanted to go to Melbourne. What? To oh yeah, Australian Open. And um, my first favorite tennis player, you know, was Australian. So it's I have 
the connection from afar, but I have not actually been there. So I need to go down under one day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If you're, I mean, this is good for your listeners too. Like, if you're under 30 and you have a US passport, you can go to Australia on a working holiday visa. It's a specific visa. You go to, I think it's amy.gov.au and you can get a visa. I think it costs, it's gone up now. I think it's 420 bucks now. But you can have, you can land in Australia, multiple exits and entries, which means you can fly to different countries and come back to Australia. And you have full working privileges. And the minimum wage, I mean, I, I don't know how if everybody's got already got their business on, but like if you're young, got nothing really going on yet, the minimum wage in Australia to like you know mow lawn is like eighteen bucks an hour. So you can start saving money fast, and you can like live a good, happy life there, and uh, you can really get like a solid year in there and do whatever you want. It's really fun. It's a really great opportunity, and I always stress it to people. Like one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life was that I went to Australia and worked worked there for a while. Exactly, you met the love of your life there too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ian Robinson, dropping knowledge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, this is something I, I know that you resonate with. Okay. You haven't really talked about your entrepreneurship journey and your, now, you know, your podcasting journey. I know a lot of TCKs resonate with this in the sense that, you know, they're, they're always looking for the next big thing. Sometimes we get restless and we, we want to do something that we are in control of. So we control our workouts. Our ideas, we want to resonate, we want to share that with the world. What is your journey to entrepreneurship like? You know, when I was in Hawaii, the guy who taught me how to do the biofuel stuff, it was um, like an entrepreneurial type. He really looked at everything in a different way. And he had a really big influence on me in the way that like seeing things differently. And then when I had to leave like working with him, that shook me up really bad because I realized that I was never that it really like it was really a good thing in so many ways because it made me realize the fragility of having like a a business that is uh, based on physical products and physical things. And you have to be in a physical place, especially since I knew my wife and I were going to pretty much I mean, at at that point, I knew that we were going to have location issues like the rest of our life like to one degree or another so i knew i had to build something that i can work from wherever and so that was my big so first off i fell in love with the idea of like building businesses and doing that with the guy in hawaii and then after that once once everything got i feel like it kind of got like ripped away from me i really learned that i wanted to have something that's you know i call it anti-fragile because i read there's that book by nicholas nassim taleb yeah. I really recommend anybody read that book. But so basically you want to build something that gets better with with volatility. If like something shakes up the market, you, the way that you run your operation, it makes it so you're better. You're going to be able to like suck and take market share away from things. And so that's how I started viewing it. And then the way that it works now, you know, like even though I got stuck in the DMV <laughs> with, with, with my wife for, you know, two and a half hours today, I was able to get like two solid hours of good work out of done just streaming off my phone. And so these things that used to like shake me up actually like make me stronger now. So, you know, it's always a balancing game. I'm not saying I've got to figure it out by any means, but um, no, I- that kind of viewing the fragility and volatility and seeing yourself as like and setting yourself up in a way that is in, like is more impervious to sort of breaking I think yeah. that that's that's just the core of it for me I couldn't agree with you more and what kind of resources do you normally use because I find that as the world gets flatter and we live in a digital world what do you think is the best resource to stay on you know of course I find the books are the most important. You know, I, I, yeah, books are so important because books are really long, hard thought out visions. You know, I think a lot of this stuff, like I, I read, like I've been playing with like Business Insider and Inc. and and these ones, but you know, a lot of times you still get that cost per click thing going where they just try to get you to come onto their site and it's just like the the articles are worthless. 
Yeah. Essentially. So yeah, books are the way to go. Um, you know, Tim Ferriss's books, Robert Greene's books, Nick Nassim Taleb's books. These these ones like really help out. I like really old biographies too. It's like uh oh man, John D. Rockefeller's, Ron Chernow, Steve Job. Yeah. Um, these kind of things are just they have they just pack so much in there. And then I've been really digging into Richard Branson. You know, losing my virginity and his new one on leadership, which is called the Virgin Way. Yeah. I, I'm almost. I almost. I'm. I'm gonna like. I'm on the epilogue right now. And that was one of the great leadership books that I've ever read. You know, Tim Ferriss is a perfect example of this type of thing. I love his books and um, he has a podcast out now. But I always say the ideal person for me, at least this is Tyus' version, is, you know, Richard Branson. Um, I just love the way he thinks. I'm a huge Oprah fan, Ariana Huffington. Nelson Mandela is my biggest role model. Just because I love LeBron James and I love how he got there. But it's still still five for me because I, you know, I, I take aspects from each one of them and the, the way they went about it was, you know, studio unconventional way. It's like they saw the world differently and they did something different. I mean, Richard Branson, for example, how he took on British Airways, you know, you've read his biography yeah. you know, with Virgin and the same thing with the record company. And it's, it's, I think that's something I like to, you know, communicate with TCKs in the, in the sense that they, they're citizens of the world and then they need to embrace that aspect of their, of their identity. You know, yeah. they have so many aspects of who they are and that can apply so much to entrepreneurship and whatever, you know, different solutions that they choose to channel that energy into. So, I think yeah, agreed, man. I think that that was why your show resonated with me so much and I had to get in contact with you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did because, you you know, you're definitely sharing a lot of things that I, I think were completely true. Yeah. And you think about that Richard Branson, you know, the British Airways thing, like he uh, he knew he wanted to get into aviation. He had this big, you know, money making record company at the time and he sold it to make to keep the, the airline. And he like it, that might have seemed like crazy move to everybody. But little did they know that that was the best time ever to exit the airline industry or the uh, record industry. Mm-hmm. You know, if he had held on to Virgin Records for <laughs> yeah. another and Virgin Megastores for another 20 years, he'd probably be nobody would be talking about him right yeah, now. Yeah, you probably so. won't be a billionaire right now. But <laughs> I think uh, I think the iPod and uh, all that and the downloads might have taken a lot of that. But w- what he does, though, is he's got he's got that Virgin brand, right? I mean, everybody knows Richard Branson. That's also a brand. But the Virgin is branched out to many things. So you, you know, media, all sorts of things. But he has the same principles across all his companies, which is, you know, what he believes in. And, you know, you're doing the same thing with your podcast, Freedom Podcasting going on. And yeah, you can talk about that now if you want. And then you've got some of the other things that you've, you've been working on. And it's, it seems like you have the same core values. And it's all about seeing things from different point of views and making things better uh, yeah. for, for, from a global perspective. So that's something I appreciate. How do you feel like the, the people who listen to the show, do you think that they they want, would want to know more about like how to start a business or how like the struggles that I'm dealing with now, whereas now that I have like a little business going, uh, like what yeah. do you think would resonate more with the people on the, know, listening I, to this? I think what I think would resonate is that, that lifestyle entrepreneurship thing where you can work from wherever you want, you know, the path, the struggles for sure. And yeah. then you overcame that. I think that that's something that resonated with a lot of uh, my audience have that wanderlust, and um, they, you know sometimes they search for identity, and sometimes they're comfortable with identity, but they they want to be able to do what they love wherever they are. Yeah, wherever they want. Yeah. To be. So that's something I think. They yeah. So I think that that's that, you know, and and when you're doing that, there's this like emotional feeling that as if you're doing something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. It's like every every all, all the other people that I know are doing something a specific way. And I, I found a way to do it differently. And I feel this all, all the time and I still feel it. It's something I struggle with daily. How, why am I not dealing with the same, those same problems? And it's like, 
you know, you have to, I don't know. This is something I struggle with all the time. It's like, do I really need like an office and a place to, and a phone? Like a phone's a perfect example, you know? Um, Veronica and I, right before we came here, we were in Nicaragua and we lived in Nicaragua on this little beach up with nothing but internet access. No, no not even cell phone power out there. Wow. And we were, we were there for a solid month and I had more time to work on my stuff because I had less input, you know? It was eat, surf and work. And that was just some of the best days of my life. And it was, and I still like struggled with it sometimes just like thinking like, oh man, am I really on vacation? Like, but I, you know, I wasn't on vacation. I was working really hard the whole time Yeah. and it was, it was, it was fantastic. And so I think that that's kind of something that, that really is, is a struggle. It's like, you know, giving yourself permission to live a really cool lifestyle where you produce value in ways that nobody else really is thinking of. Well, how did you give yourself that permission? What, what point did you say, you know, it's okay. This is my life. And this is how I want to do it. You know, I still don't even think that I, I entirely have, you know, I struggle with it all the time. All, every once in a while, if I get like really, <clears throat> you know, I, you know, I, there's a lot of stress that comes on it because you don't know how much you should be doing for people and how much, you know, how you know the value of a dollar and then all this other stuff comes up. It's just something that I don't know. I, I wish that I could say that I had the answer to that. But the truth is, I don't think that I do. I, I still struggle people, with it all the time. I don't think a lot of people do. And I, I you know, I'm I'm going down the same path as you are. I mean, I'm getting my MBA. I do a lot of you know projects with you know media because I I just love the power the media has, and I, I think different channels can reach out to many people. But my thing is creating a platform for people to use their difference to make a difference. Um, uh, that's the mission statement that I live by, and. I think media is one way that they can reach that. I think the opportunities now for you to start a business are endless. I mean, I don't think 20 years ago you had the opportunity to write something that could vault you into your own TV show, for example. <laughs> or, yeah. I mean, or or maybe create an idea or a movement that someone resonates with and then it, it becomes a book, uh, something else, a podcast, an audiobook. And it's Agreed. Just- and with that, uh, in, to add to that, like the, the, the raw data points of starting a business now are so much easier, right? You've got like LegalZoom to do your LLC. And then you can go to um, Wave Apps and have your bookkeeping get hooked up with your credit card and your business account. So all everything's just automatically book kept. Like we don't need a bookkeeper because we've got automated systems that make it really easy for us to do it. You know, we spend about an hour bookkeeping a, a month, you know, and these sort of tools are huge for business owners because in the old days, like bookkeeping alone is a nightmare. Yeah. And so you, yeah. you can run so much leaner and you don't need as much as, of a, uh, as much as much of a team, you know? Yeah. And I trust me, I hate numbers. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, why I'm, you, I'm, I have a good question though. Why are you why are you doing an MBA? Well, th- that is I I wanted to um I'm a huge networker and I love the city. Uh-huh. So what is what have it's been great with the MBA that I'm doing is that it's cool. forced me to meet a lot of people that um that I probably wouldn't be able to meet otherwise. And then I, I get to I was wanted to see what it was like in a structured environment for school because I wanted to learn how to do operations and also. I needed to really bulk my finance skills, as I was alluding to earlier, because um, <laughs> that is not my strong point. So I, I needed an environment that would actually force me to learn how to do finance, because the thing with MBA is they sort of get you to do marketing operations, finance, and all that. For me, it was for networking opportunities and just people I meet and then finance numbers. What's funny, though, is it's I came here a year ago to New York City and mm-hmm. then, you know, just fell in love with the city. I was really tired of living in a I was living in a small city in Virginia. I really wanted to get to an environment where I felt more at home with, where there were different cultures and stuff like that. And uh, New York City was it for me. So I, I moved, I quit my job, and then I came here. And then 
at the same time, I started, you know, really ramping up my blogging and um, a lot of the podcast. And, and then I don't know if it's because of the NBA or because of this, but it seems like both melded because I got to meet people through what I'm doing now. And it just so happened that a lot of them live in New York City. But I don't know if I would have met them if I didn't make that decision to move to New York City for my MBA. So cool. I don't know if it's my MBA that did it, but that decision to move to New York City, coupled with the energy that has been fueled from whatever other projects I do, it seems to have worked. But then everybody says things happen for a reason. So it sounds like you're doing the MBA for the for the perfect reasons. Because to me, an MBA is networking and a little bit more of like upper level like financial you know profit links. So it, it seems to me like you're doing it. I, just, I, th- I think the people who do MBAs because they want to start businesses. Are, are misleading themselves like the first thing that they should do is start a business and then maybe once they're like a year or two in and profitable and they've built a team then they should go in and do it for that networking aspect but yeah uh, absolutely I, I ran into someone the other day and he was uh he told me he applied to several business schools and he got he got rejected um but now he's got this business going on and it's doing really really well and that yeah. person I told him I told him that you know it's their loss and that, that happens to me a lot <laughs> I because I got rejected a few times too but I was really like you I'm very uh when I get something in my head, I really want to do it. So <laughs> I yeah. went ahead and said, I'm moving to New York City and this is how I'm doing it. And I, I just like made friends with the admissions officers and I, you know, I started really yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> communicating my value and I said, Hey, I'll be the, the best in your schoolhouse. <laughs> but, um, you know, that kind of thing, but it, I think it's good. So I'm going to wind down here. We're, we're getting here to close. I have two questions. I want you to, to tell me how you use your difference to make a difference. And then I want you to wrap up by saying how people can reach out to you and what are some of the projects you're working on. So first is how do, you, how do you use your difference to make a difference? I think that I have a passion for doing things that a lot of people don't like doing, like really sitting in front of the computer and really working on things for a long time, solving like problems you know, working out kind of more software engineer type issues. And I'm able to really like provide like what we do with Freedom Podcasting is, you know, people give us raw audio files and we make them sound great and then put them into a system that distributes them in a global environment, like a global nature. You know, every time these every time we hit publish on one of these blog posts, it goes out to like eight software platforms that are downloaded in 180 countries or whatever. And, uh, you know, we can produce <clears throat> and distribute millions of views and millions of listens. And there's nothing in the, the I mean it's really strange to say but you know the old record companies like that they probably don't have the same reach that I can I can do right now so that's the difference that I've been able to find with this little podcasting company and um, I think that it helps a lot of people especially a lot of the feedback that I get from clients and the and the people who listen to clients podcasts and I think that that's how it is for me and then uh, for people listening out there who want to share the story in some sort of some sort of media format it sounds like what you're doing is a great way what are some of the resources that you have and what is the best way to reach out to you for that? You know, I have a blog. I have an internship program. So if anybody's really interested in getting into this, I've kind of created this like easy way for me to set people up with files, uh, step-by-step directions, and then a way to implement it. And you could actually like produce shows uh, for me. And if you do that like once or twice, I know I don't pay a lot for the shows that I do personally because it's just kind of a, it's a sandbox. It doesn't make any money for me, but I don't want anybody working for free, obvious. But um, so I have that kind of an opportunity. And then um, my website actually has the process of exactly what we do to create podcasts. If you go through the blog, you know, I'm, I'm coming out with a, with a book too, like a whole 
a really nice product that's going to be like exactly tailored to I want it to be I want it to be tailored towards business people who have a small team and they want to train someone on their team to be able to produce their own podcasts and so it's got like very step by step like you know like a monkey could do it type thing and I've got that going right now we could probably set something up for your listeners if you want to yeah uh, we could just add it in the show notes and we could I, I could just give them like my rough draft for free and uh, we could set that up on the website yeah and, uh, and then you know maybe you know like uh, freedompodcasting.com slash nomads or something and they can if you have a resource and maybe they can get discount and then I'll have it on the show notes for them as well cool yeah let's work out the, the details of it and maybe uh, we'll, we'll put it all in the show notes yeah but uh, so that would be that would be like the real polished version of it you can get a kind of like a, a very like unpolished version of it on, for free on the website freedompodcasting.com and then um, you know I have Love Affair Travel which is where I interview people who live lives of long term travel so you know podcasting might not be your thing but we've had you know writers and uh, business owners and web developers and all sorts of people who just travel the world all the time and make money and live cool lives <laughs> no i mean that's great and i'll put that in the show notes as well and um yeah no i, I i'm really glad you reached out because i always want fresh perspectives from uh, different people and you definitely brought that today you had so many stories to share you're talking about sports you agreed with me on sports <laughs> uh and uh you know i talked about what it was like marrying an australian and the visa issues i can yeah. get because i'm not uh nigerian and i go to that every time so yeah. uh, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to us told by nomads. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher and subscribe. Also, be sure to head over to my website, tyroxin.com, to subscribe for more updates and tips on how to navigate the world and check out some of the other things I'm doing. Till next time, remember, home is not necessarily a physical place. It is wherever you most feel comfortable. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.